This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I wish Restream would let me just keep beats going the whole time that I'm broadcasting because <clears throat> I'd feel a lot better. My name is James D. Fury. Welcome to Blackballed. Uh, today, we have Mubin Shaikh, who's been on the Dean Blundell show a bunch of times. I had him on Blackballed last year. And we're going to talk to him today about whether or not there's any extremist elements inside the convoy, how serious they are. Um, I am considered, I think, the moderate <laughs> on the Dean Blundell show. But um, at the same time, um, I'm willing to just be told, uh, you know, what's, what's happening from people that are experts. So we have one on the show today. Mubin, what's up, man? How are you? How you doing? Yeah, if you would have kept the music going, our interview would have turned into a rap battle interview. Oh, I would have kicked your ass, buddy. I would have fucking kicked your ass. On <laughs> rap I, I don't play when it comes to that shit. Right, um, right. <laughs> um, we have been now in convoy hell um, covering it anyways for what? Three weeks maybe a month, and when I look online, even even when I look at some of the work of my colleagues, I, I'm, I, I stiffen a little because I'm, I'm trying to like maintain some sort of sense of like proportion, I think. And I am curious if you can just tell me how serious are these alleged extremists, um, that extremists that are embedded inside this convoy, and are we not doing enough to fight it? Yeah. Well, you know, in the uh, we, we kept hearing about how we should not uh, paint the entire convoy with the same brush. Uh, but the problem with that is that the convoy organizers themselves um, are are extremists. I mean, they are not part of any uh, real regular or normative political process. Um, you know, James Botter, for example, he's a QAnon guy. Benjamin Dicker or Diker, I don't know how you pronounce his last ben name. Ben Yeah. Dicker. Dicker. Yeah. Right. He puts the uh, dick in Dicker. Right. So yeah. uh, he's made some like uh, anti-Muslim statements. Jason Laface, Laface, uh, whatever. Uh, he's linked to Soldiers of Odin. Tamar, uh, Tamara Lich, uh, well-known Wexit founder, Alberta separatist. Pat King, 
Uh, you know, he's got many videos on there talking about the uh, Anglo-Saxon race uh, as he sees it. So the convoy organizers are, one, not truckers. Two, are openly posting bigoted, racist, anti-Semitic statements. So the if the convoy organizers are like this, then how can we not paint the participants of the convoy with the same brush? Uh, this idea that, you know, these are uh, exceptions to the rule and there's just a few people here, whatever. If you've been following any attempts by, um, you know, major uh, media corporations, CTVs, uh, C uh, CBC, uh, you name it, they're all getting harassed incessantly by these people downtown. I mean, they come on camera, they interfere with the coverage, they swear on camera, they have middle fingers posted. And, and this is everywhere. I mean, there it's funny how uh, some media, you know, are trying to, I think, launder the image of the convoy organizers as well as the participants. Uh, but yet when they go out there, they get they get, you know, hammered, um, not in the good way. Um, so. So, yeah, yeah it, we talked we talked about that on the Dean Blundell show the other day about and, and I and I was saying and even when I hear you talk there, I'm, I'm just. I, 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 if, if, if I were to poll random 100 people that were at these things, I don't know how many of them would even know the names of the organizers. And so I'm trying to figure out if the, um, because I happen to think that political operatives, um, you know, astroturfed this idea of this convoy through half truths and sort of inflamed a bunch of people that were waiting to be inflamed. To, to get into action. But I think most of those people that have been activated probably don't have any idea who Tamara Lich is. And so I don't know how to separate <clears throat> or whether I should, um, because I don't quite agree with you in the way that you characterize, like, the, you know, I, I, I agree with you on on who the uh, organizers are. Right. I don't know. But, yeah, the, the broad brush thing. Because even Tamara Lich, I look at her bio and I'm like, well, these are all things that I wouldn't do with my spare time. Right. But are they illegal? No. Um, not are illegal. They, are, yeah, it's not illegal. Uh, you know, the, the, the Wexit party. Not probably illegal. There's a lot of people that have racial issues in that party, but like it itself is not illegal. Well, being so racist I, is not illegal either. Right. So that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, and 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 I don't know if it should be or shouldn't be. I know that it's repugnant and I'm just trying to figure out. Okay, let, let, let me try this from a different way. If you took all the antics of the convoy protests now and you took all of their activist strategies, which ones are different and which ones are the same from the typical left-wing protest? And what is the different reaction among authority figures, like the police and the government, among the, uh, for, for the two types of protests? Yeah. Well, I mean, um, before I, I do that, let me just, if I can, just throw it kind of back to this, uh, the rest of the participant, convoy participant members. I mean, uh, you know, I'm not going to say that every single attendee there is a racist. I mean, that, that would not be, I mean, how do you even prove that, number one? I mean, and I don't even think that would, that would track anyway. But if you do ask them, uh, you know, what they're there for and what they want and the larger ecosystem into which they fit, um, it's, it's the same things that we've been seeing on the anti-vaxxer front. I mean, even these people who are claiming that they're vaccinated, but we're vaccinated, but we are just against mandates. Well, I, I don't believe you. Uh, number one, nobody's mm -hmm. going to ask you to show proof of that. So they can just claim these, make these claims and nobody will really take them to task for it. So, 
So certainly there are people, I mean, majority of people who are there in the convoy and supporters thereof believe, literally they believe that uh, by mob action, we can force the government to change their policies. Okay. Uh, this leads yeah. into the question you asked of me that on the left, even uh, it's the same idea. I mean, the idea that if you, you know, come out in numbers and march on the streets and demand change, uh, you know, change will come. And, and look, this is a very normal part of democracy, right? Like I have no problems with hordes of people uh, stacking up and, and, you know, being out in front of the parliament building, waving their flags and placards and everything else. Totally legitimate protest uh, uh, activity. But what is not legitimate is when you block roadways and you incessantly honk your horn day in, all day and all night. Like that, then you're impeding on the rights of other people. Uh, as well, claiming that this is about freedom and charter rights and then preventing the press at the same rally is not part of legitimate protest activity either. So this is where I think, uh, you know, in some leftist, left, leftist causes, we'll call them, uh, this happens. Look at, uh, uh, you know, First Nations protesters blocking railroads, uh, impeding, you know, impeding traffic, so to speak. So one could say that there's a similar argument there, right? Um, but lo look at the response, right? I mean, whenever there's a First Nations protest or whatever, we bring out the tactical teams and uh, there's all kinds of, you know, activity going around. Now people are saying, right, with this, uh, because they weren't seeing much activity in the past few days, they were saying, well, look at the blatant double standard. I think the pressure that's been on the city of Ottawa, the mayor, the chief of police, you are seeing enforcement happening today. They've been handing out, you know, hundreds of tickets, traffic related offenses. There are almost 100 criminal investigations open. Uh, the FBI is involved. Department of Homeland Security is involved because of the uh, American far right that is also uh, supporting this protest and is now government officials are getting death threats and other types of threats. So, uh, you know, so now you see the responses moving towards the enforcement security side. So at the end of the day, look, uh, people, uh, the protesting is, is not a problem. I mean, the idea was that you would get a permit and you would get the permit. It's not like they would say you can't protest you would have got the permit and then the city would have brought out porta potties so that you didn't have to shit in the streets or piss on a war monument. Right. That's yeah. why we have this method of doing protests. Right. It's not to control the protesters or whatever else. It's just to manage it so that we don't see the debacle that we're seeing now. Yeah. You know, what's funny is that I, I lived in Toronto for many years. Um, I moved up here five years ago. Otherwise I spent most of my life either in the suburbs of Toronto or downtown. And I remember a protest at uh, Nathan Phillips Square, and it was, um, I, I always forget the name of that little religion, but it's uh, that Tibetan religion. Oh, Falun You know Mom. how they always, yeah, yeah, and they always protest around the Eaton Center, basically, or they have their placards and stuff. Anyways, they, they, oh. they took over the space, and they took it over by kneeling in formation, like almost like a checkerboard kind of thing, like 300 with X's over their mouths and they just stayed in the same position for like 10 hours. And I was like, this is fucking powerful. It's and, a sit-in. It's called the sit-in protest, right? Right. But the way they did it, they didn't move. 
they did not move. They and and I don't mean they they did they they talked to each other while they sat down. They didn't move. They were like frozen with X's over their mouths. And the point I'm trying to make is that like when um, I remember being called like a like a bigot from the left because I was like. I don't think Black Lives Matter should stop traffic because what if an ambulance has to go to the hospital? That was the yeah. argument I made at the time. And of course, as soon as you say something like that, they'd be like, fucking racist, hate you, and everything. Right. And it's like, I still feel that way. <laughs> like, about yeah, so right-wing protests. Uh, I, I, so do I. I don't think uh, it helps your cause when you're blocking somebody who's trying to go to a doctor's appointment or pick up their kid or whatever. It's, uh, it's just, uh, just, I don't support it. And it feels like they're giddy about it because one of the things that I like to say, and I've been saying it for years, is that politics is basically the art of managing hypocrisy. And so I think you are totally right. If like the blockades, when, when uh, indigenous protesters were blocking railways, I would be willing to guess that 93% of this convoy would were like speaking out against it just viciously. Of course. <laughs> just how could you shut down this country, this and that? And now here they are kind of doing the same thing, um, encouraging fellow truckers that are coming in from the States to disrupt the supply chain, which apparently was such a serious issue that that was yeah, one of right. the motivating factors right. to do the protest to begin with. Yeah, um, this is, well, yeah, can I just ahead. quickly, like this is uh, a chance to nerd out a little bit just in social psychology. There's a whole discussion on in-group, out-group dynamics. And when you are a part of a group, how you view the members of your in-group and how you view members of an out-group. And often what is the case is in what they call in-group, out-group bias is when the, members in, when the members of your group do something, even if, if the members of the out-group do the exact same thing, it will be viewed differently. So if let's say a member of an in-group commits a crime, it's not viewed so badly. But if the member of an outgroup committed the same crime, it's worse. It's the worst thing ever. So there is this bias that we develop just as human beings when we become a part of a particular in-group that we start to be very protective of whatever cause that in-group is representing. And so that's where you get these double standards and hypocrisy when you have the same kind of you know, problem, but you're viewing it through a different lens. Yeah, I like trolling people who really liked. I, I used to like trolling Trump fans uh, when Trump was president because I would create this list of things that he did, but I would just put on top of the list that Justin Trudeau did all those things, and they'd be like, "See that fucking stupid libtard Trudeau? Look at all those things he did." And I was like, "Oh fuck, my bad. That was actually Trump who did all those things," and they right, would just block right. me. <laughs> right, that's <laughs> a perfect example of what we want to see. Right, like we will accept what we want. We already agree with. So confirmation bias, where we start to filter all the information that's out there through the, the prism of does my group believe this or doesn't it? So if, if it goes against what I believe, well, I'm going to reject it. So you start to develop this bias where you funnel only the evidence and the information that you feel supports your position and you reject everything else. Right. So if, if you say, you know, that if, like in your example, that's a perfect example where it's like, oh, because you're stating that somebody else that they don't like did this. So they immediately say, oh, we're against it. It's obviously trash and garbage. And then when you remind them, actually, your guy said this, it's like, oh. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? 
you need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Yeah. There's so many good Reagan ones. Because he was like a union, like he was like the head of the actor's union. (laughs) And when you, if you, I used to say that, I'm like, yeah, you know, Justin Trudeau, fucking, you know, that guy was head of the actor union. And they'd be like, see, I told you he was a fag or something stupid like that, right? Like right. they would say something like that. Sorry, I don't mean yeah. to say the F word, but like, you know, that's what they would say. And then uh, you're like, oh, actually, that was Reagan. He was, a total, he was oh, right, the head of right. a union. And, you know, what bothers me about this is that for me, like, I think I'm really obsessed with this concept of polarization because I look through that lens all the time, not as a participant, but as a person that just notices that if this side says this, then that side just has to say that they have to disagree. So I'm sort of left sitting here like, um, like it's no secret, like on, on Dean's podcast, you know, Lachlan and I are sort of a little bit more moderate than say, you know, Dean is on, on how we feel about all these protests. Dean, Dean's, Dean's a crazy guy. He's a mental. Well, mental he, and, and you know, I, I respect it cause he's <laughs> consistent and he's being honest. I just don't happen to like, necessarily agree that it's like you know the best the best way forward but but yeah. i don't know if it is or isn't so uh, ask Salou, do do you right but um mm-hmm. but i still get a little bit worried about civil unrest and i get worried about the prospect of canadians fighting against each other and because of your background i'm just wondering um and maybe this isn't something that you necessarily have some sort of expertise in but maybe you have an opinion uh, do you remember like in 2020 in the United States with all the Black Lives Matter protests and George Floyd and there there was like in during that summer, I was like, are we fucking are, are we doing this? Is this going to be a civil war between the right and the left? Is that coming? And and thankfully, it kind of never came. There was a little little skirmishes here and there. But um, <clears throat> are you worried about that kind of thing for Canada? Uh, not, I'm not worried to to the level uh, that I am with the U.S. I mean, the, obviously, the political contexts are different. Our histories are different. And so there are a lot of factors that are very different than the U.S. And it's why, you know, we are, you know, we're, we're Canadians, right? We're not, um, it, there's like a very clear difference, yeah, especially when people go abroad, or at least that's the stereotype, right? The, the Canadian is always the polite, nice person, whatever. But um you know, if you're if you're seeing what's been happening in the past several years, especially with Trump and Trumpism, uh, you know, it's just it's feeding it more and more. And I I, I don't think we're going to get to that point, mostly because there aren't that many of them here. Like there are more than enough, uh, not to say that they can't you know cause some serious damage if they all decided to do that. But uh, I, I really don't see that um, as much up here. I mean, take, for example, the fears at the beginning of this convoy where you had people openly encouraging terrorist attacks on the Parliament Hill, uh, you know, that uh, Diagolan podcasters or whoever basically saying, I want to see a truck ram through the Parliament building walls uh, that I'm just it's just incredible that they can get away with saying stuff like that. Like that is clearly incitement of terrorism. You can say you can cheerlead. 
the January 6th attacks. You can say it was wonderful what happened there. It was legitimate political discourse, as the uh, I think the GOP are trying to spin it as. But you cannot then say, because, I mean, it depends, because it wasn't technically classified as a terrorist attack. I mean, but uh, I mentioned this elsewhere. This came up once with Aaron Driver, who was an ISIS convert in uh, Winnipeg, who after the um, uh, Parliament Hill attacks happened, um, you know, he was he was he was celebratory. He was he was good with it. And so, mm-hmm. it, you know, it, we come to understand that you cannot incite terrorist activities here in Canada. So uh, so even with that, uh, there was this fear and the fear that was kind of uh, shared by the Ottawa police that, well, we don't want to antagonize these people who are potentially violent. Right. But to be fair, there wasn't really anything violent that came out of this convoy. And that's deliberately so. They know that they need the support of, you know, Canadians in doing that. They screwed up when it came to the, not just the horn honking, but, uh, you know, what was being done to the war monuments and Terry Fox. People didn't want to see that, right? And so that turned a lot of people off from the convoy. But uh, like I said, it, it has not been violent. And so I hope that's an indication that we, we just won't see that level of violence up here. Yeah, there's a lot of people that don't like hearing you say that, like there hasn't been violence, because I've said that as well, and people have been like, you know, that horn honking, and I'm like, I look, I get it, like it's 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 fucking annoying. You want to like kill people, I get that, but this this expanded version of the like definition of violence is, I find, an indicator that you are so against the issue that they're there for is that you'll just say that that's violence, yeah. Um. Now, if we circle back to extremists, there is a big difference between the government looking at people um, because social media posts may have made them suspicious or whatever, and stating implicitly that we have terrorists um, in Canada that are just like plotting attacks, right? Like when it comes to like what we're defining as ter- as domestic terrorism, um, and I'm talking about the 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 Caucasian, you know, white supremacist kind of terrorism. How serious is it? And, and, and have there been like crimes committed or are there like red flags? Like how are we looking at this as an overall picture? Yeah. So this is a good point because, uh, you know, people talk shit online. All right. That's what they've been doing ever since the internet was created. Uh, I remember back in the early nineties, I was even on the internet. It was still a chat based forum at that time. Yahoo chat, AOL chat, and people talk shit online all the time. Uh, and, and that's the problem is that you have all this, all this volume of what you see as threats or potential threats, but the concern is always, well, how many of those people are actually going to do something about it? And so even with all this talk of the convoy, uh, none of that happened. Nobody's ramming into anything and whatever else. Now, you, you raise another important point about uh, violence and what constitutes violence. And look, we all understand when, I, when, when we say, or at least when I'm saying violence, we're talking about like damage to property, damage to people, like assaults on people and so on in an organized manner. So you are seeing harassment of people. There have been simple assaults, what we call simple assaults of residents, of healthcare workers, of mall workers or whatever else by individuals. But it's not organized, uh, you know, by the convoy uh, group themselves. Uh, it's bringing that, you know, that type of person to 
to the convoy. And so that type of person will feel more confident and more comfortable in that environment. But when we talk about violence, we all know what we're talking about. Talking about vehicle ramming attacks, you know, significant uh, property damage, you know, that sort of stuff. And look, it's important for us to be honest when it comes to this. I don't like, I'm obviously, I'm against the convoy, uh, everything they stand for. I mean, the, what the organizers have put out, this and that. But I support their right to protest. And I, and I kind of, I clarified what I meant by that right to protest. Do it on the hill. Don't bother. Don't block people. Don't incessantly honk your horns all day and all night. Um, and so, so, so that's what we mean by violence. When we talk about in Canada in general, domestic extremism, it's definitely increasing. Uh, I, you know, I put, I, I put that up to the effect of Trumpism. I basically, you know, told them that it's okay uh, to be, you know, to be a jerk like this. Um, but in Canada, I mean, the worst example of that was the Quebec mosque attack, uh, the anniversary of which was on the 29th. It was on the Saturday. Uh, and, you know, that little vigil that they planned had to be canceled because of the convoy uh, protesters. But uh, that was the worst attack where several people were murdered uh, in the mosque. Uh, many others were injured. Uh, so so that's the, the worst kind of attack we've seen. Then you saw the London family uh, that was run over uh, in a vehicle ramming attack by a neo-Nazi. So what's interesting is in the first case, they did not charge the person with terrorism, but it was a terrorist act. Uh, it just didn't have the legal charge attached to it. In London, for example, they added a terrorism charge because the guy must have blabbed something to the police. Uh, and so... So this is another thing when we use the word terrorism, like when people say that, you know, the convoy, it's, it's terrorism. That's not terrorism. That is not terrorism. That's a big pain in the ass for sure. But yeah. that's not terrorism, right? Like you need a, a, a significantly higher threshold of violence to occur for us to be using those words. And there's also, um, and I think those two instances that you pointed out, the church, the, the um, sorry, the mosque uh, killings and, and the, um, uh, the 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 neo-Nazi who ran over that family. There is a, a, a an important distinction, even though both could be classified as terror terrorism, between the lone wolf and the organized terrorist, right? That has like a political movement and an organization in mind. Um, just for people's like own, you know, ability to be more informed, can you explain those differences that just between the lone wolf and the, and and how they can be considered terrorism, but just how it's different? Yeah. Even uh, remember when we say the term lone wolf, uh, wolves are born in dens, right? And they're always, there's always a family. There's always a, a, a larger ecosystem um, from which that lone actor is deriving their influence and their inspiration. So all right. this means is just an in the, a, a, a person who decides to act out on their own. Still, it's in support of an organization or ideas that other organizations might subscribe to. And the person will just do it in support of that. Uh, or when they do it as part of a, a you know, a group per se, a, a third incident I could kind of point to uh, again, it's like the, the Muslims that are kind of uh, getting the, the brunt of it was uh, the IMO mosque uh, in Toronto uh, where you know, an elderly guy was sitting outside and, and a guy from the satanic neo-Nazi order called uh, the Order of Nine Angels basically slit his throat, you know, and killed him right there in the parking lot. 
So uh, it, it that's you know it's it's an individual who's acting out, but he is part of this group. And and normally we look at this lone group and uh, you know uh, inspired attackers from the Islamist side, meaning like ISIS or Al Qaeda types, where you have this organization and a person is either a member of that organization and does uh, commits an attack, or a person who is a lone individual. Who is who subscribes to the views of that organization is not a member per se of the organization and commits an attack. Right. So and, and terror groups often co-opt those guys. Like uh, what was his name? Michael Michael Z Half Bebo, something like right, that. Um, right. Parliament Hill. The attacker. person that killed uh, Cirillo in in right. on Parliament Hill. Right. Um, he uh, it felt like ISIS after the fact tried to retroactively say that uh, that he was one of theirs. But and and they do that, right? They they'll they they'll make false the claims. Yeah. yeah. So they like that, tried to that's claim what makes the Las Vegas the Las Vegas shooter, who was a white guy, who like they you know it was a really strange case. But they even tried to claim that uh, they were behind that. So that's just yeah, them that, exploiting the situation. And that's another example. I I don't mind actually that we're we're uh, stepping away from the convoy to take a more broad brush talk about terrorism because I I mean. I've seen the memes. You've probably seen them too. And sometimes they apply where they have that terrorism chart and it's just like skin tone. Yeah, the, right. And the darker right. you are, the more likely you'll be a terrorist and the lighter you are, the more likely it's, it's got to be mental illness or whatever. Right, right. Um, and I understand what's behind that meme and I largely agree most of the time, but I'm pretty, I'm a stickler for like definitions. And, but I never really understood like the Vegas guy, for example, I don't think anything came out that said that he was doing it for politics or religion. So I was, Nothing. but I remember arguing with people being like, why is it worse to be a terrorist than a mass murderer? Like why, why yeah. do we care that's what you call really it? Really good, really good question. Yeah. That's a really good question. Uh, you know, uh, obviously a mass murder is worse, right? Because you kill more people, you have more blood on your hands. You're, you're worse. Mm -hmm. You know, you can look at other cases as well, like in, for example, I think it was in Tennessee where there was a guy who came out uh, in his RV and he basically blew up his RV. Um, he actually, there was an announcement, it was like near the AT&T building. And uh, they said, you know, he subscribed to a bunch of conspiracy theories, but he really didn't fit, you know, it neatly in a, in a particular category. And he announced, you know, there was an announcement running from uh, his vehicle saying, you know, there's a bomb, it's going to detonate. It, it, this allowed the police to evacuate the area. And then he blew himself up. You know, it's like, huh. so I, I came up with this term. Um, um, what was it? Suicidal bombing. A suicidal bombing. So the person is, oh, yeah. right? Like usually a suicide bombing, which is technically, I would call it a homicide bombing or a homicide bomber. Somebody who, you know, deploys a person born improvised explosive device to kill others around them. But somebody who, who just deploys it to kill themselves, uh, you know, what, what's that? That's like a suicidal bomber. And we had this even in, uh, uh, in, in the UK, there was a guy who blew himself up outside of a hospital. Uh, I don't know if people remember that. There was a taxi driver and he basically locked the guy yeah. in there and took off. And so, like, why did that guy detonate over there, right? Like. So that, that's another case of somebody like just killing themselves. So you, you have these tactics that people use, which are sometimes also used by terrorists, right? So does that necessarily make them a terrorist? Like this is where, this is all We're semantics. so hung up. We're so hung up on the yeah. definition. And, and, and I know there's some important reasons like the legalities 
after the fact what kind of charges and how that impacts their rights and everything like that so i understand you know why it's important to law enforcement and to and to you know the crown attorneys and things like that but dude if if i don't give a shit what what the what the vegas motive is he's an evil piece of shit you know and he you know well this raises another like line of uh, discussion where it's like do we just get rid of terrorism completely I mean, if a terrorist succeeds, they've committed murder, right? So there's homicide. We already have homicide charges. If uh, in, in the Edmonton, they did this with the ISIS uh, attacker who uh, used a rental truck and tried to kill like five people, tried to get out and murder a cop. They didn't charge him with terrorism. The guy literally had an ISIS flag in his cab, but yeah. they charged him with five counts of attempted murder. And five counts of attempted murder are going to get, you know, that's easy that those are easy charges right they are they're known charges it's very so there's another line of kind of inquiry of do we just get rid of terrorism charges in general and just leave it at either murder or attempted murder or weapons charges or or other kinds of charges like i know the terrorists uh, the the terrorism problem existed long before 9-11 but 9-11 um and and the wars that came post 9-11 um were might be the reason why we're so hung up on the word terrorism. Remember we had the terror likelihood chart that they would show on CNN and yep. Fox and it was color coded. Right. That, that was just completely designed to make people afraid, I think. Um, and then there was the, uh, and then Bush, of course, famously declaring a war on an adjective, on a tactic. Yeah. Um, you know, or, or whatever. It, it doesn't have um, a, a specific enough definition for people not to fight about it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And and now here we are. What like he's a terrorist, he's not a terrorist. Uh it's it's too much. Um, and that just the reason why I'm even talking about this is because there's a lot of that that word is flying around a lot right now. And I'm just like, okay, I, I would believe any evidence that people bring forth that shows that there are terrorists right now in Ottawa. But without that really malleable definition of terrorism, no, terrorism would not apply. It would not apply in this case. You can use extremists. You can get away with using that word. Uh, yeah. Extremist is just somebody who believes that, you know, taking violent action or taking, um, you know, let's call it, uh, I don't want to call it abnormal action, but I mean, anybody that believes that you should, you know, that uh, we should pile on and, and lay siege to Ottawa to force the resignation of the government. That is not a normal belief. I mean, we live in a democracy where we, we get rid of our leaders through elections, right? So, so you, that's extremism, right? To believe that, you know, this is allowed and this should be done. Or the idea that, I mean, I just saw a member of provincial parliament in Ontario talk about, you know, if, uh, if we win, uh, you know, we will get rid of the mainstream media. And it's like, you know, you want to use state power to determine which media companies are allowed. Like that is literally communism. I know. And yet you hear a lot of these folks talk about communism, that we're in a state of communism. And it just shows they really have no idea what these terms mean. Maybe this is why it's important that we have a discussion on definitions, because people use terms not understanding what they actually mean. And so they're misapplying the labels. Right. So. Uh, and, and this relates to all sorts of things. I think just I think I made the comment that we need uh, civics lessons big time in Canada for people to understand, like how our democracy actually works.
Yeah, you know, it's funny. I remember Richard Dreyfus talking about that on like Bill Maher like 15 years ago. You know, the, before Trump, before all this shit, like about how um, the the removal of civics from the classroom, especially, I guess he's talking about the United States, but um, the same would apply here maybe to a bit of a lesser extent, maybe not anymore. But how when we remove civics lessons from the classroom, people just forgot what politics was. And now we have awakened these former apathetic people who never had politics in their life and they have been awakened uh with that sort of mega pixie dust um and it's so funny because i'm not as hard on the truckers but whenever i find out someone is like a real big admirer of donald trump i just let him have it like i just if that man represented <clears throat> excuse me every single issue that i cared about I'd still think he was a fucking dangerous douchebag. I, I don't know why anyone follows him. And so, but the good news is, just as it was on January 6th, when you don't send your best and brightest to take over the government, meh. Yeah. Well, this is, uh, unfortunately for the U.S., they've they've tolerated this uh, demagogue for so long that the, the, the horse is out of the barn, right? I mean, it, it unleashed... Uh, damage, uh, which we're seeing the results of it. We're dealing with its consequences up here. Uh, I think Trumpism is one of the biggest factors of why you see this giant jump uh, in the far right. It actually started with the election of Barack Obama. Uh, I think it was uh, hate group membership went up like 350%, um, you know, because I mean, yeah. black guy, maybe secret Muslim becoming president, right? It, it, Oh yeah, do you remember I mean, all this stuff they said. Oh, like, do I, dude? There was a point. I just looked this up. Uh, I don't know, maybe a month ago or something. But there was a point where it was it was it was such a ridiculous number. It was something like, and I'm conservative on this estimate because I know it was either this or higher. But it was like 37 percent of Republicans thought Obama was the Antichrist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, you know, probably because they thought he was Muslim. I think um, because there's yeah. a huge uh, some of them are just real wackos when it comes to this stuff. But I mean, again, I don't want to just put all the blame on Trump. I mean, this is something in the U.S. that's been going on for, you know, since the uh, since Reagan really, uh, you know, opened up the floodgates for uh, evangelical organizations. Uh, mm -hmm. I think it was around that time when they were like uh, 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 classified as uh, charitable organizations. But you see yeah. these churches in the U.S. They're they're political. They're all political organizations. Um, so yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. No, no. Just saying that like it's it's a uh, incremental changes that have been taking place and sudden changes vis-a-vis -vis Trump that that we now find ourselves where we are today. Have you ever thought I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. Well, you're in good company when you say that. It started with uh, Reagan, um, because that's what Noam Chomsky said on this show, exactly that. Because I said... Did this start with Obama's election and Sarah Palin and did that sort of pave the way for the Tea Party, which paved the way for the normalcy of <laughs> and then, you know, Trump came in and he was like, no, it started with Reagan. And for the exact reason, he they allowed uh, extremist Christian money 
into politics in a way that had never been seen before. Um, and and I, I can't remember the author of the book, but there's a book called The Power Brokers that you should read because it is all about how religious money is used to like, um, whatever whatever Russia has done, whatever the evidence shows that Russia has done to interfere and to AstroTurf oh, yeah. and all that kind of stuff, yeah. they are doing the same thing. It's, yeah. it's they are they are also riling up their own supporters often with abortion talk and and they and they you know to their credit they um they they had a president that would listen to them albeit for reasons that they didn't share and motivations that they they didn't share but he did uh, tilt the court uh, enough for states to start becoming emboldened to start thinking of stripping away Roe versus Wade and things like that so it's like. You know, I, I don't know how close they're getting because it's difficult to tell because we have a media that seems to be really interested in just sort of fanning flames themselves. Everyone is doing the same thing right now. I, and, and, and you know, it sounds conspiratorial, but it feels like the media wants to divide us. They want to keep us afraid. The government seems to want to divide us. They want to keep us afraid, mostly through the party polit political apparatus. Is that it? Is that the method now? We're all sort of like terrorists on a spectrum <laughs> trying to keep people afraid? You know, yeah, it's it's weird because like even uh, talking about just uh, just on the Christian money, for example, you can see how that attitude has uh, spread to Canada as well. And it's no accident that this clown uh, Pulowski, um was, you know, gallivanting around with Michael Flynn, uh, all the MAGA network people. So he goes mm -hmm. over there. He develops his network. They create more of a support structure. Now, here we are today, it's all, you know, MAGA types who are supporting the convoy. Uh, you know, I mean, like, look at pro-insurrection types on top of that, right? Trump, Trump Jr., Michael Flynn, Tucker Carlson, Laura Ingram. Like the word Paul Gosser just gave out a shout out support for uh, Pierre Polivier's uh, uh, leadership run. So it shows you, it shows you that there is a um, coming together of uh the gop in the us and the conservative party in canada now let me just say is that any different from the liberal party getting together with the democrats the answer is no it's the same thing that's happening right so uh and that's just that just shows you and that comes back to your point about is you know the politicians in general is that there is a mechanism at work here right with the media on one hand and politics and politicians on another the media is set up to, uh, I, I consider, I don't want to, again, I'm not, the enemy is the press of the people, uh, absolutely not, but there's a well-known saying in media, if it bleeds, it leads, right? If it's as horrible and awful and to put that shit out there, right? I, I always remember and I always tell this story and I'll never forget it, that this was after the Manchester Arena attacks that took place in the UK and I was on, I think, CNN or some somewhere uh, talking about the issue. And I was in the studio and I'm watching the camera up at the top, uh, like where I'm supposed to look at for recording. And then below is the camera below and that I can see what, and as I'm talking, I'm, so I'm looking halfway, right? And I can see that while I'm talking, trying to explain radicalization or whatever it is, they keep showing on a loop images of people in distress, in anguish, in pain and i realized that the media and there this is a quote 
media gives terrorism a longevity it might not otherwise enjoy. Okay, so that it spreads it, 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 it recycles it. And so here I am trying to make sense of what's happening, informing the people, and yet they're just keeping this stuff on a loop, which is reinforcing the trauma, the collective trauma that we're all feeling. So that's what media does on one hand. And then politicians, on the other hand, are only interested in power, in obtaining power and keeping power. And so they will hitch their wagon to whatever convoy they find is going to be beneficial to their political power. And so these uh, aspects are two very nefarious and destructive aspects, I think, which will continue the chaos that we see. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you're right. I think um, the, 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 the political posturing that we've seen from premiers and from Trudeau um, since this, this has started has really exposed us as a country without leaders. Like I, I, I don't, and I'm really disappointed in Jugmeet in a way because I, I, I don't, um, I don't know how uh, his advisors are are feeling about the gigantic vacuum that he could step in right now and show that he's a better leader than the prime minister and try to, you know, try to play politics a little, but do it in a way that's a little bit more constructive. Um, what did you think of O'Toole being ousted, and do you think that? Um, um, because I I have my own opinion on this. I want to hear yours first, though. Do, what, how do you think that makes their prospects for the next election? Given it's probably going to be within the next year. Well, I mean, I I try not to be a political commentator. I you know I I have to say all these caveats up front because I I really do like for me personally, public safety, national security, defense, stuff like that needs to be nonpartisan. Like you can't come at this with a political lens. Um. Okay, and, that, that, that's good. I don't want you to do that then. How about this, though? Yeah, I'll flip no, the script no. a little bit. Okay. How do governments differ? Like, how does the conservative government and the agency apparatus that that, that they, I guess, would oversee, um, is there a difference in strategy between how the conservatives would run that apparatus versus the liberals? Or do both sort of, like, take their cues from the agencies? Yeah, I think the professional politicians among them understand and they will take direction from uh, the agencies and the intel reports that they get. Uh, you can say like, I mean, this came up with uh, when, I think it was a couple of years ago, when the discussion of uh, ISIS returnees, potential ISIS returnees to Canada first came up. Uh, you know, it was uh, former minister Baird, John Baird and uh, Premier Kenny, actually Jason Kenny, uh, who their statements were excellent they were on point and you could not tell the difference if it was a, a conservative politician or if it was a liberal one saying these words i could have just i could have switched the wording and just put a different person's you wouldn't be able to tell the difference so at one level there is a a level of professionalism where they where they do that but there is of course a difference in which uh, in the manner in which uh, political parties decide to do things generally you can say the conservatives want to be more enforcement heavy when it comes to this stuff, they uh, whereas the liberals want to be more situational, they want root to understand cause. the root causes, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Great, great. It was, which is funny because when when Harper said uh, former Prime Minister Harper, now was not the time to commit sociology. What's funny yeah. is that the government was literally at the time funding a sociologist to do uh, counterterrorism research. Yeah, so, I remember so that they, because yeah, uh, so. because Trudeau was like. 
you know, I think we I think we want to know what the root cause is of of these uh, of these people it was who after are the troubled. Boston Marathon bombing. That he That's said. right. And Skippy Pierre Poiliev was like the root cause of terrorism is terrorism. Terrorists, right? It's like yeah. So, that is making it not that complex. So it at just all. shows you like which politicians are going to do it just for the politicking and yeah. uh, to advance their narratives and rhetoric, as opposed yeah, to those um, who are actually informed. I, I, and just back to the media for a moment, um, because I I want to talk about we have we have about fourteen minutes or whatever. I want to talk a couple of things, but um, the the one reason why the media has really been bothering me is because they make it seem that like nazi stormtroopers are about to fucking take over this country like like the headlines are ridiculous and um but i am reminded uh, of 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 how the media sh- uh, reveals itself as left or right they they, they just do that they, they are living in the polarized world that they helped create because i saw this and then for those who are not watching but are listening it said cnn still frame and it says fiery, but mostly peaceful protests after police shooting. And there's like a city block on fire in the background. But the headline indicates, yeah, it's all good. You know, sure, there's there's a bunch of businesses on fire that were arsoned because protests were getting out of hand. But hey, mostly peaceful. Um, are we ruining, is everything being ruined by, by ideology? That's the easiest question. That's the most softball question I've ever given anybody. But but please, if you will, hit that out of the park for me, Mubin. <laughs> or is ideology just spoiling all aspects? But specifically with media, because you can get mad at the, the True North Center or whatever that outlet is called, or Fox News or Toronto Sun. And I'm like, yeah, I don't like them either. They're cheap. And they're 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 waving pom poms for one side, but the side that I find less repugnant, which is the left, they they're they're horrible in different ways, but less repugnant, I would say. They're doing the exact same thing. Yeah, well, like, uh, yeah, this comes back to your in group out group dynamics, right? And if I can say, um, let me see if I can get away with this. Uh, in the U.S., you'll find that the mainstream media, let's call them that, is mostly liberal. Whereas in Canada, it's not, right? So you can you see sure even now. Oh yeah, oh yeah. If you look give me, at give me, give, what do you mean by I'll that? Expand on that thought a little bit. I'll give you a perfect mm-hmm. example. If you just compare uh, election endorsements, mm. um, so I'm going to call them out. Like Post Media, for example, is notorious for this. If you look at the election endorsements in the last several elections, you will see the vast majority of them supported the conservatives and openly so remember when they were putting uh, harper on the front page and saying vote for harper basically they had editorials like and there's a list there's a there's well, a post media is not surprised post media is not surprising right. that, that post, they're they're right. the conservative uh conglomerate right. in this country um i gotta tell you though just, just and then continue after i rudely cut you off here but um the the boards of of places like torstar and uh the globe and mail are often full blue conservatives and the orders for endorsement will often come from them and not the editorial staff, but go ahead. Yeah, no, no, for sure. But I'm saying that like you had some editorials which were like openly calling for them. And to be fair, there are many journalists who work in those platforms uh, who were like, listen, this is not cool, right? Like we were trying to remain above the fray, whatever. I only mentioned that just to show that when you're talking about media and, and are we lost to ideology, 
And this is something that even media organizations, I mean, they also have their own outlook, um, you know, their own way in which they're going to spin a particular uh, story, right? So they, this is a great example of showing the CNN thing, uh, which was, you know, trying to show that they were mostly peaceful, which they were, they, which they were. I mean, but the reality is, is that the burning building is going to get the, ca- the media attention, right? Even if it's only four or five or ten, out of you know so many protests uh, uh, in so many different cities but then on the other hand you get people who portray it as oh you know when blm was burning down major u.s cities it's like uh, you know there were some arson attacks that took place in a few places it's not it's not burning down entire cities so well, but imagine if one little tiny store was burned down in ottawa imagine the headlines on cvc or global uh, that's right that's right you know? and and luckily we didn't have that again you know your earlier question about do we hope to see or do we expect to see that level of violence appear we don't right uh just like the blm uh rallies and and marches that that we had up here there was there was nothing like that there was nothing like that because our, our situation is very different i think from the u.s and so i hope it uh, i hope you know it remains that way that it's there's not going to be any major acts of violence, whatever. I do believe, though, that out of all of this, what it's doing is it's radicalizing people even more. It's giving the idea that this this convoy has all this support, which it doesn't, claiming that there were 50,000 trucks and 1.4 million protesters. And it wasn't that, right? It was Feel like, flurry can't be wrong. Yeah, Stop it. All. Okay. <laughs> And then I even saw uh, other mainstream. So I saw even, I think it was Associated Press, New York Times, you know, saying that, oh, convoy protests grow across Canada, right? Yeah, and it's this like, is NBC. Well, this yeah. is uh, Global Finance and Trucker Convoy. Um, <clears throat> anyways, yeah, the, the headlines, I, I've seen headlines yeah. as well from the BBC that was like, yeah, so you know, we're not, it, I mean, saying that yeah. hundreds more truckers were coming to Ottawa, and it's like, no, hundreds of more truckers did not come to Ottawa. They are, even in Quebec, I like what they're doing in Quebec. They're setting up truck inspection stations outside, and they're towing people. They're like, we don't care, we're going to tow you. In Toronto, yeah. they've closed off a bunch of streets. Their healthcare workers are out in force protesting against whatever. So, you know, they're not amounting to much, but they've drawn enough inspiration from the Ottawa spectacle um, that this will have legs, plus the MAGA funding and MAGA operate, operatives who are pushing this, it, it will eventually cause at least one person to act out in a very in a violent way. And so I'm sure that there's going to be an incident, if not a couple, but all in all, it just it's not going to be as violent as a lot of people were expecting. It's interesting because even though like, and this is where nuance is dead, right? But like when I was trying to say something the other day about how if counter protesters show up in Ottawa, they will largely be to blame for any subsequent violence that comes out. And people got really mad at me. I got a bunch of emails and stuff, but that's what I believe. Like, I mean, if you're second to the party, it's like, it's like if there's a fight going on in hockey. And there's two people fighting. In this case, the analogy would be that the trucker convoys are fighting with the system itself or whatever you want to call it, the government. And then all of a sudden, that third man in, you know, and he starts punching one of the hockey players that's fighting a guy already. That's how I look at counter-protesters. It doesn't, I don't, 
Maybe it's just that I'm getting to the point now where I don't I don't give a fuck why you're protesting. Just do it in a way that doesn't impact other people's yeah. freedoms. Well, this is why I really uh, I really commend the pro the counter protesters in Vancouver uh, for what they did. They they blocked off the trucks with their bicycles. They just walked out onto the road and uh, they just blocked the road. Now you can't yeah. go anywhere. And now the trucks can't go anywhere either. Nobody's uh, you know don't confront anybody. Don't go up to the truckers. Don't you know start having that one-on-one that will i agree with you that will trigger one thing and it'll just snowball and then it becomes you know out of control there's a way to do it peacefully without confrontation and that's the best way to do it um but as much as i love that little old lady that that's i think it was in ottawa could have been vancouver that stood by herself in front of that truck the fucking tiananmen square comparisons were a little over the top right right (laughs) Of Come on. But Gladys just, you know was what? just about to go get tea and that yeah. other guy was executed. So and in not... fact, let, let me just, because uh, I was reminded of this since we're trying to be nuanced and we don't want to make this about right and left and we, we want to condemn tactics that are wrong no matter who does it. Uh, in Winnipeg, you saw what happened in Winnipeg? It was a, a, a pro t- a driver. Does anyone ever see what happens in yeah. Winnipeg? Well, You're going to have to tell me. <laughs> well, in Winnipeg, a driver from Manitoba, don't know why he was in Winnipeg, but he ran over four freedom convoy protesters. Oh, had, I did see that. The yeah, white truck. Minor right? injuries. Yeah, it was a white Jeep Patriot. Minor yeah. injury, uh, uh, but still. Shit, are you kidding? They, hold on, hold on, hold on. Just, yeah. just let me back up for a second. Yep. The, the the Jeep in question that ran over the the protesters was called a Patriot. The Patriot? That's the name of the vehicle? It's the name of the vehicle, yeah. Yeah. Okay, go Okay, on. that's what you caught on. All right. So the Jeep Patriot <laughs> driver. Yeah, basically, uh, you know, struck, like deliberately struck four protesters who were there. And he got charged with multiple offenses, of course. But, uh, you know, I I don't want to get into this. uh, You know what I mean? Like what we need to understand is what the protest is really about. It's got nothing to do with truckers. It's just these are all uh, anti-Trudeau types uh, who are just having a tantrum. That's, That's ultimately just support. And it's all supported by uh maga operatives in in the u.s and canada that's why you're seeing confederate flags don't tread on me flags trump flags u.s flags that's what it is all right that's what the protest is about um we don't need to make it into something worse because already what it represents is something bad right the idea that you know the governor general should dissolve the parliament and you know ridiculous stuff these are not reasonable demands uh, for people, right? So it's no wonder Trudeau is not going to... Why would Trudeau go and meet with people who has fuck Trudeau signs? And... and oh, I wouldn't meet... Signs. Like, yeah, this, yeah, I don't think Trudeau not, should meet with them. Yeah, these but, people are but, like... Yeah. Yeah, so th- these level of threats, I mean, you know, open depictions of assassinating the prime minister, for example, I don't know how that's allowed. Uh, you can have, you know, you can say and have fuck Trudeau flags all you want all day long. Uh, but, you know, like ha- with a noose and things like that. So... So that, that's where this whole threat environment comes from, that people who believe in this sort of stuff, those are extremists, right? That's extremism. Um, and yeah, so- Anytime you want to you wanna say fuck and then place a politician after that word, like... That's I, normal. That's I, very normal. I, I don't... Uh, that's not illegal. I, that's very you, normal. No, no, no. It's not. I'm not making right. a legal argument here. And, and it's funny coming from me because I really... I don't really have much shame, but... um. I don't like the etiquette or something. I don't like reading 
that sign. And I'm not a big political correct guy, but it makes me less likely to take you seriously if you have a fuck Stephen Harper sign or a fuck Justin Trudeau sign. I, I'm just like, eh, you, you know, you don't have me. Um, and I think a lot of people are with me on that. I, I think that, and I think that that's a problem in a sense because it's like, I really would love to learn about why you're there. But as I've said before, this is like, and you just said it, you're totally right. It's like a salad bar of things to hate Trudeau for. And you yeah. can just pick his socks and you're part of the convoy or you can pick mandates and you're well, part of the convoy. It was, what it was, it was socks, his hair, his eyebrows at one point. Remember they uh, thought his eyebrows were like... The swing set in the back, in the backyard. Oh, yeah. It's just, yeah, so I, I don't know what else to say, but... But look, we're That's all right. fed up. We're all fed up with this COVID crap. It's been two years. I believe the worst is over. We are going to move towards uh, out of lockdowns. And hopefully, I mean, God willing, that's what I say anyway. Uh, hopefully we don't see some crazy variant mutation that comes out and just like lays waste to everybody. So we're almost there. And I, I kind of, I wonder if, you know, they're going to take credit for it right at the end of it. Say that, oh, yes, it was because of our, you know, occupation. That's, that's exactly why. right. Yeah. So, and and these these wind downs were planned for the last couple of weeks, and yeah, they're they're gonna, that's you know, like Forrest Gump, like they're just gonna like, they're gonna gump their way to to some sort of success, like when he wiped his face with that shirt and said, "Have a nice day," and the other guy invented the shirt. Right. right. <laughs> that guy was a shirt inventor before he got there, Forrest. You know, um, <clears throat> Mubin, uh, this is your podcast, um, Spies Like Us, dude. What do you rank now? Are you aren't you like I don't know what category you're in. Um, but I don't pay you're... attention to that stuff. Oh, okay. I just do because my I... stuff. Yeah. Okay, but you know what? Then keep doing your stuff because I was told that you're like, you're 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 basically number one in whatever category that you're in. Um, but either way, don't think about that stuff. You're right. Sorry, I brought it up. Um, I I try not to look at the rankings. <clears throat> number sixty-two in my category, <laughs> last I heard. Um, but no, but uh, I I loved having you, man. And um, uh, we'll we'll have you back again. I think I, I, I appreciate your insight. I appreciate being able to talk with someone who also thinks that this protest is basically peaceful because I've been getting yelled at by a lot of people for saying that recently. Um, it's still populated by a, po a lot of people that you probably don't want to hang out with and I don't want to hang out with, yeah. but um, yeah. Mostly no, bad people. Mostly. Mostly bad people. Yeah. Mostly bad people who haven't killed anyone yet. So that, uh, yeah, it's great. silver great. lining. Keep, the, yeah, silver keep, lining. It, keep it. We can keep it awful, but lawful. Yes. There you go. <laughs> right moving thanks man i All appreciate right. you having on the show peace thank out, you buddy thank you uh moving shake he's a friend of the show friend of the network um i love having him on uh just to have his expertise he's a counter terrorism expert um his bio pretty well known uh you should go check out his podcast once again his podcast is entitled spies like us um and yeah and uh we are out uh tomorrow we have Kareem Asad on the show, which is going to be awesome. And um, we're going to see what uh, what Kareem has been doing. Um, just a quick little preview of that. She got her GoFundMe account um, pulled by GoFundMe. And it happened either the same day or less than a day after Parliament had decided that they wanted to summon the executives from GoFundMe to answer questions from a Commons committee. So uh, I'm going to come out with an article soon, uh, tomorrow, actually, um, about how I think all speculation that GoFundMe is preempting the accusation that they're being um, 
favorable to left-wing political causes when they get asked questions by the conservatives and will uh, will be able to point to banning, arbitrarily ban people like Karima because they want to be able to say while they're talking to the Commons Committee, no, no, we are an even-handed uh, fundraising platform. So uh, tune in for that. And uh, yeah, that's tomorrow, 1 p.m. Okay, guys, have a good one. the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.